Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. We are the Queen Bees, and today we're continuing our discussion on swing, swing time. time. I liked that. That that felt very, like... Felt natural. Very NPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know us. Yes. High production oh. value and... Always. <laughs> you know, not much attitude. <laughs> So how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Um, I feel like there were two stories that I wanted to tell when I got here, and now I, I don't remember. I, I spend my days rehearsing stories I'm going to tell on this podcast and forgetting about them one, when I arrive. <laughs> one thing I did want to mention is that, oh, I, I had a stomach flu this weekend. Horrible. It was awful. Getting over that, I still haven't eaten regular food. Like, I've been, like, oh. not not that I haven't eaten regular food, but it's, like, I haven't eaten, like, how I normally do. Like, today for lunch, I had, like, saltines and Cheerios still because I just, I had some yogurt later. So, like, I feel like mm. I'm, like, slowly making my way back. Like, you have, you've introduced, reintroduced dairy. Yes. Yeah. I've done that. Um, That's good. So, I don't know where it came from. It, we it's It was, like, 24-hour flu. Yeah, I mean, I did think that it was, like, an overreaction of my body to feel genuinely <laughs> nauseous when Cher texted me that Idris Elba was engaged. Oh, my God, I was the one who broke the <laughs> yes, news? Yes, you Shit. were. <laughs> I literally got the text in Rachel's car and was like, oh, no. <laughs> my mom, when I told her, she was like, well, it was bound to happen. I was like, bound to happen. One, he said in a previous interview that he... Um, was never going to get married again. And she's like, what do you mean again? And I was like, Mom, he's 45 years old. He's I, obviously been married before. <laughs> and I was like, he has a 16-year-old daughter. Mom was like, oh, no. I don't wonder how she feels about all this. I, mean, I was like, frankly, a his great new point. fiance looks a little young. She does look a little young. She looks a little young. Yeah. Which, I mean, fine. fine because I'm a little too young for him. I'm literally 20 though? years his junior. Who cares? My mom was like, I guess I didn't realize he was that old. I think she was then genuinely concerned that I've been talking about him like a As prospect. a lover. <laughs> <laughs> I think she realized that he was closer in age to her than me. And she well, was like, oh, no. I mean, I don't know, though. <laughs> he doesn't look that old. No. I mean, sometimes he gets like a salt and pepper beard, but... I like it. Me too. <laughs> and also that can be shaved. Yeah. And then he looks younger. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I will say too, so um, my big news this week is that I finished all seasons of the X-Files, like the original X-Files. Nice. That's and an accomplishment. It, it, I mean, How many it, seasons is that? So there are nine Jesus. of the OG seasons. Okay. And, like, and there are like 50 episodes each. I yeah. mean, like this was a huge commitment. Yeah. Which has taken us like two years. Like... I think we started doing it before we were engaged. So that's like three years. Oh, my God. Anyway, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and I feel that way about Mulder. But I also have watched him grow up. So, like, I mean, I started, like, when the show starts, it's, like, the late 80s mm-hmm. or early 90s. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's, like, 20 years older. And I'm pretty sure he did mind. a show called California. He did. He did. And you know what also I found out recently, which I hate, is that he was a sex addict. So, I mean, they're not all perfect. Yikes. <laughs> um, but you know what, though? So I just think that he went to, like, <laughs> rehab because he, like, his wife was like, you've cheated on me. You cheat on me all the damn time. Mm-hmm. 
But I don't know that that's necessarily, like, he's a sex addict or, like, he just has a bad moral compass. <laughs> and I don't know which is better. <laughs> like, which would you prefer? I feel like being a sex addict would be better. Like, it would make you feel better. But I feel like yeah. a lot of people are like, that's not real. I mean, I'm sure that I it's real. That it is real. I think it is real. There's a movie about it. Um, I've seen it. Michael Fassbender is in it. Oh, well, that's why you've Um, seen it. Well, partially, but I actually didn't choose it. I remember, like, a group of girls in my sorority, we all wanted to go to the movies, and nobody could really... I think it was, like, one of those times. It was, like, February or something, so, like, it wasn't, like, a lot of movies were out. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, one of the girls in the group was like, let's see this movie, and we all kind of agreed, and then we were all like, hmm, it's NC-17, funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And... We saw it, and it, it's a good movie. It's by the same director, Steve McQueen. He directed 12 Years a Slave, so he clearly Did has, like... Did not see that either. That movie's great. It's, it's... Is that Lapita's, like, yes. her, her main... Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um, yeah, it, it'll, it'll stay with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think he clearly has, like, a Michael Fassbender. Like, he likes working with him because Michael Fassbender plays, like, the horrible slave owner. Not that slave owners are ever really good. But right. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I do think that it is a real thing. But I think a lot of people are like, you're just a cheater. I think also, like, for celebrities, it's a PR move. To oh, be I, th- like, I don't know that Tiger Woods is a sex addict. Right. It's like... It, I just think he because just cheated on Elon a lot. Right. It's like, so if you just cheat a lot, then you must be a sex addict, not just like you're a bad person, mm-hmm. sort of. So it's just sort of I a do think bit that that confused. was funny. Like when celebrities started saying that, they'd be like, actually, what it is is that I, didn't David Beckham say he was a sex addict? Because I what? think. No, I think I might be making this up because I think they have a really lovely relationship now. But I I swear that... Did it, he used to cheat on her? I think he cheated on Victoria Beckham or something. Why would you ever? I know. How well, dare you? Well, because he was a sex addict. No, I swear. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making that up, but I feel You might like have to do a corrections corner next I'm, week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really love their relationship now, I think. And I think they're good parents. But from what I see on Instagram, it looks like it's all on the up and up. But I swear that I heard that somewhere. Maybe it was just from a tabloid, though. Well, that's the thing. It's like, did you see it on the grocery store yeah, thing? Yeah, it's, it's probably possible. not true. <laughs> but, but anyway, so um, I was texting my cousin Kara, and she's like, "Oh yeah, he's a sex addict." I'm like, "What? Like, can you not ruin him for me?" Because in the show, he's like, mm-hmm. he definitely is flirty. Yeah, and which is fun, and like a little bit of a playboy. But like, he also is deeply in love with Scully and like that's what you root for Mm -hmm. and now in like the later seasons so they like did like the X-Files revival which I will say the X-Files revival is very good really yeah have you seen the movie absolutely yes (laughs) I own it on my iTunes (laughs) um yeah so um but they're both like clearly older and Mm -hmm. like they kind of play into like Gillian Anderson's like insecurity is like are you going to move on to a younger woman? He's like, never. Oh, my God. It's just like, yeah, I know. I love it. Who would ever leave Jillian Anderson? I know. Well, and She's a queen. They also, like, their relationship, like, that show built up that relationship for nine seasons. Like, you essentially watch it all the way through, and they never, like, really get together. Mm -hmm. And so... It was one of those shows. It was, like, well, so (laughs) at the very, very end, like, they're kind of together, but David Duchovny had, like, a... um, contract dispute and so he like wasn't in like 
basically the last two seasons, which I still watch because I, <laughs> like, I'm such a completionist. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so... So then now they basically have it, like, where they got together in the in-between time, but now they're apart because Mulder is, like, just too depressed. And I'm like, can you just let us be happy for three <laughs> seconds, you guys? I, know. I hate it when... I hate it when there's a couple that, you know, everybody really wants them to get together, and then they get together, and it's, like, two two episodes later that they're, like, breaking up. Like Chuck and Blair the whole damn right. time. Well, yeah. it's just, like... Well, because every show needs conflict. Right. Or, I mean, like, every every TV show, every movie, like, every piece of media basically needs conflict. But there are other conflicts than breaking up. Well, and I think <laughs> at this point, too, in the X-Files, like, we've earned this. Yes. Like, we, like it's been so long. Like, yeah. we, we deserve, like, a make-out scene, please. Yeah. But yeah. no, we never get it. Like, literally, I was sitting on the couch last night, night chanting, make out, make out. <laughs> and Brennan's like, you are so, you are terrible. Stop it. And I was like, I was like, are you kidding me, Brennan? Like, I've been watching this show now. This is the 11th season. And yeah. I, like. Can you imagine watching the show for 11 years? And they've no. never ma- made out, ever. I mean, they, we've seen, like, I think literally two on-screen kisses. And one was New Year's Eve, so it doesn't even count. No. <sighs> So, anyway, and then in this in this one episode that I just watched, like, they apparently have sex, but, like, we don't see it. No, <laughs> which, that's like, not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> which, like, I am the last person who likes a sex scene mm-hmm. ever, but, like, come on. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I got really into Bones my freshman year of college. Never, never watched. All right, I think I've watched it a couple times at the gym, but, like, not yeah. really. I don't know wh- why, but it was, like, all, this, like, all of a sudden, I just watched all six seasons. Well, I mean, now there have been, like, several more. I kind of fell off of it. Okay. Um, but I watched, like, six seasons in, like, a very short amount of time. And I was, like, at one point, I remember... Cause, and it's one of those shows where it's, like, it takes them six seasons to actually get together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're together in season seven. Um, and there was a, a season where, like, they're, like, at their therapist's office and... Um, or, like, the FBI therapist's office, and they basically, like, both are confronted with the fact that they're in love with each other, but Bones is, like, I'm too afraid of ruining it or whatever because I'm, like, closed off, and and Booth is, like, no, you won't, whatever. And Bones is Zoe Deschanel's sister, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I literally called Rachel crying, and she didn't watch the show, but I was, like, they could have gotten together, and they didn't, and I just don't know. Like, they put it out there, and Rachel was, like, you need help. Like, go to a counselor. (laughs) You're too interested. I mean, okay, but I think I think also with X-Files, it's very much the type of show where, like, I'm attracted to David Duchovny, but what I want more is for him and Scully to be together. Yes. Like, I am not threatened by Scully at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't hate her at all. I, mm-hmm. I really like her, and I... Mm-hmm. But, like, what that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just... It's just been a little heartbreaking to read about his sex addiction and... Um, whatever well so you're interested in in Mulder not David Duchovny and that that can be okay yes which I think is also the same Mulder will not disappoint you David Duchovny will I mean Mulder has disappointed me in the past but (laughs) like like for example when he disappeared for two seasons but Mm. um yeah I guess that's true and I guess that's sort of like how I feel now too about Ed Westwick it's like well I can't like you anymore but I just love Chuck Bass and I don't know if I can 
Stop yeah. loving Chuck Bass. Uh, yeah, yeah. You love Chuck Bass, like, when they do, when they basically decide to recon that first episode. Right. And they're like, mm, I mean, But then happened. they kind of bring it back. Yeah, I don't Yeah, mm. I hate that whole thing. It's not good. But, yes. I love, I love him when he is, like, aggressively chasing Blair. And yeah, like, when he fixes the prom, prom oh queen Oh, my God. Vote. Yes. And he buys her her dream dress. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. And he... Also, like, when he gets that, like, mangy dog that he walks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that man. All nice. All nice. Um, Also, like, when he is rescuing Nate from, like, poker tables that are too big for him. (laughs) You know? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) His ridiculous shorts. Who chucks? Yeah, yeah, it was like the Lost Boys weekend or whatever. Yeah, he's just dressed in the most absurd. Oh my clothes. god! Yeah, that's where he wears that like pa- all patterned outfit. Yeah. Yes, and playing basketball. Yeah, yes. amazing, incredible, a delight. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about the book now. Yeah. I mean, I will. I will admit <laughs> that my notes this week have been less than thorough. Mine were too. Frankly, I was worried I wasn't going to have time to do the reading because... You were so sick. I was sick, and then I was subbing, but I read yesterday a bunch. Um, and now you're ahead. I, well, yeah, now I'm ahead because there was nothing for me to do during wow. my break time at the school. I barely finished it this week, too. But mostly that was because the Metro, the friggin' Metro last night, I, like, I didn't, I counted on that, like, 30 minutes of Metro time. Mm-hmm. And last night it was, like, there was some malfunction, and so it was packed to the brim, and I had to watch five uh. trains go by and, like, couldn't get on. And then finally when I did get on, I was smushed in between people, mm-hmm. like, so I could hardly breathe. Horrible. And I was, like, trying to meditate just to, like, not, like, be in that place. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the Metro, literally this happened to me 30 minutes ago, and I was like... I should tell that on the podcast. Completely forgot on the walk here. I was on the metro earlier, um, and I was getting off. And you know how sometimes it's like you know your stops coming, so you're like, I'll just get up and like hold on to the bars and yeah, kind of make my way to the door. Yeah. So I did that, and I didn't realize this guy who'd been sitting near me um, had also gotten up. He was like this tall, handsome gentleman that I'd like semi had my eye on. Right. And so, <laughs> and. I didn't have a great grip on one of the bars when we, like, lurched. And so I kind of took a step backward, stepped on his foot, and I went, oh, I'm so sorry. And he kind of, like, I don't want to make this sound creepy because it wasn't creepy at all. He, like, very gently kind of, like, braced my, like, step backward with his hand on my waist, like, in a very, like, not bad way. Um, Sorry, my And he was like, oh, it's okay. Um, Ignore. You know, like, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, my God. That is... It was lovely. I was like, that oh. is lovely. That you know, that's like you know, that's the type of meet cute we want. I know. I just love how that I had to qualify. I was like, he put his hand on my waist because I feel like nine times out of ten, never ever touch me on the metro. A hundred percent. Never ever do I want someone to gently touch my waist on the metro. But this time, it was like he almost did it instinctually. He did well, not he's care that like, I literally fell into him. You I, also are already touching because you already stepped into him. So yeah. I wish we had I had the sense to like fully turn around and be like, "It's me, <laughs> the woman you've been waiting for." And the music swells. Right. Um, but um, I didn't. So. <laughs> so I had another 
um, semi-pleasant experience about the metro. So after that commute, <laughs> I got an email this morning, mm-hmm. and they are putting $5 on my card because of the delay. Nice. Yeah. I heard about that. Back to good. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that, but it's only during rush hour. Right. So it was like, usually when I get burned by the metro, it's not during rush hour. Well, I think... Like, I certainly have been burned by the Metro in off hours and that, like, the Silver Line is essentially never, ever running mm-hmm. on a weekend mm-hmm. from my stop. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, that sucks. But this is probably the worst case scenario when yeah. it's, like, just there's been so many delays that it's so full to the brim that, Ugh. like, you can't. Anyway, if I can't sit down, I can't read my book. Like, I can't no. just read it no. and, like, stand around no, like can't. some of those monsters that do that on the yeah, train. You can't do that. Um, I like that we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the book. And I'm sure everyone was like, oh, okay, diving in. And then we're like, actually, we're going to talk actually, about, we're gonna talk about ourselves more. Thanks. And some potential meet cutes for Audrey that didn't pan That's out. a great story, though. I mean, <laughs> you should go on um, Craigslist Misconnections and see if you wrote anything <laughs> about you. <laughs> Somebody actually wrote one about me one time. Shut up. Yeah, okay, this is a pretty good story. Oh, my God. So, it's actually a very creepy story since I was in high school. But so, I um, was 15 and, like, in a very, you know, dark place and, like, very confused about, you know, my standing with my boy at the time. Peak high school share. Peak high school share. Yeah. Queen share. So... I was sitting on this bench, and this, like, pretty nerdy guy, Mm -hmm. like, sat down next to me, and I was, like, friendly in the way that, like, I think I mostly just wanted a distraction from my, Mm -hmm. you know, depression, and, like, I also was just, like, a chatty Kathy, Mm -hmm. and so I was, like, apparently, like, telling him all about Grey's Anatomy and, like, whatever, and, um... Which, like, I don't know how, how that came up. starts. Okay, this was not a romance. (laughs) But so, um... So then, like, the reason I was there at that mall is because that's where I was getting physical therapy because I had um, torn all the ligaments in my ankle. So I was there, like, every week. <laughs> Whatever. That's a story for another day. It was from ballet, which is pertinent because of this book. So, so let's bring it back to the book. <laughs> um, so I went to my physical therapist, who at this point knows me very well, and, like, the main thing we talked about was Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And so she, I guess, was trolling Craigslist misconnections and found this one that was like searching for Cheryl Ann. <gasps> yeah, and it was like this girl, like she has brown hair, she's like really beautiful, and she loves Grey's Anatomy. And she's like, This is obviously <laughs> you. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. And she's like, She's like, You need to be more careful. <laughs> like, not talk to strangers. And like, <laughs> Good for your physical therapist. <laughs> but to like tell me Just what's step what. Step in and be like, Listen, 15 year old. You need to not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have you ever seen those videos, um, the sassy gay friend? Yes. Videos? I think you're 13 and you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Look at your life. Look at your choices. <laughs> what she says to Juliet. Yes. And Juliet. <laughs> yes. He actually, funny thing about sassy gay friend, he went to my college. Really? And so I have seen him live. He came oh, to Holy Cross. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, but... But, yeah, so that's my story with Craigslist Misconnections. So, anyway, you should check him out. See yeah, if you're yeah. on there. I doubt it. He's really, like, this girl stepped on my foot. No. He, this guy also, like, you don't, like, the people who are writing on Craigslist Misconnections, like, you probably don't want them. Yeah, I don't want to find that connection. Yeah. Like, why would it ever occur to him to be like, you know what? 
I don't know, just like it occurred to me that you should write one, but yeah. <laughs> to man who not grossly touched my waist who on the gently, metro. Gently bumped. I don't even know how to say it. I don't know. So swing time. So this book. Part um, two. Part two. Um, I like it. I like it too. I liked um, the first section a little better. Mostly because there's more Tracy in it, I yeah. think, honestly, for me. Yeah. Um, it feels almost like a different, not that it feels like a different book, but it feels very different from the first section. Because I think it's like, it's oscillating back and forth between her childhood and her adulthood. And like a lot right. of it is like building the school in Africa with Amy and right. um, with the, the other people. Well, and I think also Amy's hardly in the section at all, mm-hmm. also. Like, yeah. it's, like, a very different section because I think it's more about, like, the narrator and, like, her journey than, mm-hmm. like, the narrator being the backup to these, like, more interesting well, women. See, I still kind of feel the opposite, though. So it's almost like with the absence of Amy and with Tra- with the absence of Tracy, too, it's like I feel like there was less – the narrator even had less of a presence because there wasn't that person for her to really react against. Like, she was kind of That's a fly true. on the wall for so much of it. Like, she was really – isolated like she wasn't that into being with her goth friends like she was kind of an observer in I liked every the goth part see I was like <laughs> I rolled my eyes so hard when she's like so I became a goth because I didn't know I was so mad at her that she failed that test and couldn't go to the gifted school she had it in her I was so mad at her so see actually with the whole gifted school thing like I think that was like her her only rebellion that she's yeah. like ever had though too and I, I think know, but I was still mad because that's not how you rebel I mean you take the opportunities that you're given and then you can rebel in the gifted school I mean I guess that's true <laughs> but I think it also was just like the first time she had ever done anything yeah that was like anti her mom yeah and I think that was important and it wasn't up to her mom it was like up to her to pass it to go to that school and so right. she it was within her power to be like fuck it I'm not gonna try Right. Which is, I think, like, the only time she's, like, ever really exercised her own agency, like, really mm-hmm. mostly in this entire But what book. a dumb time to do it. I know. <laughs> I know. But um, I don't know. I You know me. I have a lot of sympathy for a rebelling teenager because I was one myself. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, did you have were, – were you ever a rebellious teen? No. Well, see, that's why you don't have, like, <laughs> a, like, soft spot in your heart for them. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I want to say that I do, but I, I have, like, a sympathy. I, or I have a soft spot, like, for, like, like the bad kid or whatever, but that's not. But, see, you don't have as much of a soft spot for Tracy as I do. No, I don't. I don't have, I don't have a soft spot for people that make dumb, self-destructive choices when it would be so easy for them not to do that. Like, when people, like, have an opportunity and then they're like, I'm not going to show up for that. Just because it's, like, they have underlying issues. It's, like, I'm sympathetic to those issues, but I will never not be frustrated by that. Like, in Parenthood, when Julia gets that interview for the surrogate that she has. And and there's a really good reason why she doesn't show up. And because she said you have to have a high school diploma and she doesn't. Um, And... Um, but, like, that she doesn't just, like, vocalize that or, I don't know, like, take that opportunity is frustrating to me. Okay, I totally get that. Or, like, Amber not living up to her potential is frustrating to me. 
Yes. Although I think Amber, like, is essentially, like, set up to fail, though. I think, like, because her mom... I, I mean, I don't know. I, I know we have differing opinions here, but I mm-hmm. think that, like... What's her... Is her mom's name? Is it Sarah in that show? Sarah. I yeah. just think Sarah's, like, not the best mom. No, I don't think she's a great mom either. I mean, I don't think Julia's a great mom either, and, like, she's the character I relate to the most. <laughs> so... But, I mean, you know, I think Christina's the only good mom in that show. I and Jasmine. Think, I think Jasmine's the best mom. I think Christina... I don't think she's the best mom either. What? I think she's a good mom to Max to an extent, but I think that she can't um she can't take herself out of her kids' lives enough. Where like That's she gets fair. so into it where it's like she becomes a child too. Like how she handles Sarah or how she handles when Amber has sex with Hattie's ex boyfriend. She gets involved in that when, like, she's Hattie's friend instead of that she's Amber's aunt and she's Hattie's mom. And, like, she gets involved in some of Max's, like, stuff. Like, she advocates for him, but in a way that is, like, unreasonable. Like, when Max is not invited to a party, it's like, yes, that's horrible. And, like, you should be fighting for your child. And I will never criticize her for that because I think she's, like, a great champion for Max. But at a certain point, it's, like you need to also, like, take a step back. See, I guess for me, though, like, the best mom moment for Christina is actually when she's not being a mom at all is when she's being an aunt to Amber. Mm -hmm. And she intervenes in, like, the Bob Little affair. Which I love that, but that's also, like... It's, like, I love that she does that, but even then it's, like... I don't know that that was the appropriate thing to do. What would have been the appropriate thing to let her have sex with him and ruin her life again? Well, but, like, I don't know that... I'm I'm not advocating for that relationship to have happened, but, I mean, like, she was legal. Like, it wasn't, like... I think it's handled, like, she's a minor, and, I mean, like, she's barely legal, so, like, would look horrible if they had, like... I think she's more thinking, if this gets out, I don't think she's thinking that, because I think what I... The way I interpreted that scene is that I think that... I think that Hattie is feeling like the the reason that Christina even finds out is right. because Hattie tells her who's yeah. Christina's daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think Hattie sees that like this is like a little weird. And I yeah. think she's getting vibes from Amber that Amber's like not a hundred percent like comfortable. And yeah. so I think that's when like if yeah, I mean, I love that moment as much as, like, it's one of my favorite parenthood moments when she just, like, busts We've in there. we watched that episode I together. Know. And she's like, Bob, get out. And it's, like, his room. But love I think, that. But I think also the problem, the, the thing for Amber, too, is that, like, Amber's never had a mom who's there to tell her, like, hey, like, this is not appropriate. Right. Like, he is your boss. Like, he yeah. is taking advantage of you because he's yeah. in a position of authority. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to do this. Because yeah. her she would never get that from her mom. Oh, no. Because literally in the next episode, her mom's like, I don't understand why. What, I don't what the big deal is. Yeah. And Christina's like, I think what you meant to say is thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, it's like, I mean, I don't know that that's always the best way to. My mom. My mom just texted Pope Frank laughing from when I um, called Pope oh. Francis Pope Frank, so she must be listening to our episode. Hey, Mama P. Hey, Mom. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, yeah, so I think, um, and the, I mean, in swing time, yeah. <laughs> there are plenty of moments with um, troubling parenting, um, yes. which I think, um, like, one of the things that I feel, like, the worst about for Tracy is that like, her status 
is essentially decided for her, not actually by her peer group, but by her peer group's parents. Yes. Like, they basically are like, Tracy's a bad kid. Like, Mm -hmm. she comes from a bad family. We don't like Tracy's mom. And so you should stay away from Tracy because she's bad news. Which Tracy's mom sounds like not the best, but it's also shitty how the other moms treat her. There's, like, a passage where it says... All the moms talked about her when she wasn't working because it was like, she's always home. She's not doing anything. And then when she got a job. She's never around. She's never home. She's never keeping track of Tracy. And so it's like, how could she win? She can't win. She's a single mom and she's trying to make enough money to support herself and her daughter. And no, she's not a perfect person, but like cut her some slack in that arena at least. Well, and I think it's interesting too because you see... Like, the narr- from the narrator's perspective, like, she might be a better mom or, like, a mom that she would prefer to have because, like, mm-hmm. she's very supportive of Tracy. Like, yeah. she's, like, she advocates for Tracy. She's very proud of Tracy. Mm-hmm. She spends a lot of time with her. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, like, all of these things that are very lacking in her relationship with her own mom, who mm-hmm. I think most people would argue is, like, you know, she's got it together. Like, mm-hmm. she's a, a high achiever. She's, like, raised a child who's, like, going to succeed. And yet, like, she's, she's still very lacking. she's not a nurturing person at all. She's not a nurturing person, and she also, like, doesn't put her daughter first in a lot of cases. Ever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, I still love her mom, but she, I don't think she's I, a good mom. <laughs> I like her mom better in this section than I did in the first section. Because I think in this section, we do see a few maternal moments for her, mostly with Tracy, but not as much yeah. with the narrator. Like, I like, I loved that detail where she raged against her mom for making her, like, she was like, I was allowed to go to these horrible goth yes. clubs as long as my mom picked me up at 1130. Yes. And I complained about it constantly, but I was secretly very happy, which I feel like that is such mm-hmm. a, like, 15-year-old thing where like it's almost it reminded me too like a little bit of ladybird where it's like you yell at your mom for setting these boundaries for you but really like kids want boundaries kids do want boundaries and they need them and so it's like really what you want you know as an adolescent like you're supposed to like be testing boundaries and you're supposed yeah. to be like rejecting authority so you can develop into your own person Um, But really, you also need boundaries, too, so you can kind of develop responsibly. And so it's like she yells at her mom to be like, you know, I should be allowed to do whatever I want. But really, she's, like, always very grateful to be able to, like, get back in the car with her mom and leave. But partially because what what she's doing is totally not her. It's not her scene. It's just, like, what she fell into for lack of a better option. But I also think the thing, too, is that, like, teenagers want – you to care yeah like they don't want you to be like yeah do whatever you want like no. see you see you anytime you right. know did i ever i don't know if i've talked about in this podcast the time that i ran away no okay so when Your i poor parents <laughs> I, I know <laughs> to be honest though like i didn't do like you know too many drugs <laughs> i you know i don't know i think i could have been a lot worse still i barely drank mr and mrs Pesha. Are lovely people. I know. Did not deserve you to run away. <laughs> so, so basically, what happened was, I think my phone had been taken away. Like, I mm. think that's what it was. Like, I think my phone had been taken away for two weeks because I was addicted to my cell phone. Like, I sure. would sleep with it and like Yikes. text through the night. Yikes! I mean, just like a nightmare. 
And so, like, when my phone was taken away, I was just so furious. And so the only thing I could think to do was to run away. Uh-huh. And so what I did was I put all of my cash in, like, this big suitcase bag. And, like, like a duffel bag. like Which, Perfect. like, I probably have, like, what, like, 60 bucks? Like, I mean, it's, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I put all my cash in there. And then I, like, put on, like, all black clothes and, like, a hat. And was, like, put a blanket in my bag and was, like, I'm leaving. And like to where go where go? I, yeah. I don't know. And like my family doesn't live close to much. Like mm-hmm. I like there was nowhere for me to go. Like we're like it's could all... you not drive yet? No, I was fifteen. Oh, okay. So even so fewer I options. didn't have a driver's license. Yeah. Well, and also too like my parents would never have let me take the car. So well, I mean, if you were running away, let's assume you just take it. Well, so <laughs> so and my sister came in Savannah and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm running away." And don't tell mom and dad. And she's like. <laughs> Okay, I'm immediately going to go tell mom and dad. <laughs> I can just imagine Savannah being like, um, Shirley's running away. But I think the thing about Savannah, though, is that Savannah only would tell on me if she was worried about me. Savannah has covered for me more times than anybody. <laughs> I do not blame Savannah for telling on me. But so what I did was I went downstairs. My parents were watching TV and, like, in visible earshot, I left out the front door, mm-hmm. slammed it closed. So Perfect. it's like they knew that I left. Like, I yeah. wanted them to know that I had left. Right. So then I walk down the street and I'm like, all right, what am I gonna do? So <laughs> I had I had a neighbor down the street, Karen Loftus, and I'm like, well, like I I could sneak into her window sneak and like, in. hide. Well, I mean, like I because I didn't have my phone either, so I couldn't right. call. You could knock on the door though. Then her like, parents would tell where I was, and I didn't. Uh, what I didn't. I wanted my parents to be very worried about oh my me. God. So, <laughs> um, so I was like, I'll sneak into her window and then she can hide me, basically. But, like, while I'm walking down the street, I hear coyotes. I'm like, no, shit. No, go home. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm going home. But <laughs> but I, like, wanted my parents to be fully punished. Mm-hmm. And so I hid in the backyard and waited to hear them, like, worry about me. Oh, my God. And they never did. Nice. <laughs> and so, like, well they, they played. played me so well. And so, like, they, like, are turning out on the lights and, like, going upstairs. Nice. And I'm like, like hello mm-hmm. and so then I like finally bang on the back door because they've locked the back door at this Perfect. point now too and I'm like can you let me back in there like oh where have you been I'm like <laughs> whatever so yeah well good played. parenting moments from the Peshas that is good I was terrified of coyotes when I was a kid um my aunt told me she lived like so my aunt lived on Fargo Road, and there was, like, the main road, and then across from there was Pearl Road. And so my great-grandmother lived on Pearl Road, and my aunt told me that coyotes were seen outside of my great-grandmother's house. And we used to go to my great-grandma's house all the time, and I was terrified to be there past dark. So basically, if we were ever there past dark, I was always like, get in the car. We got to run. And my mom would take forever at the door saying goodbye to my great-grandmother and goodbye to my aunts and whatever. And I would literally sit in the van and just scream for her to get into the car. And my mom was always like, I just... You need to relax. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, luckily, like, she never, like, yelled at me for it. She just kind of, like, let it pass. But I would always... And she, I still bring it up. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember. She'd be like, mom, the coyotes you've got. Oh, my God. It's like the danger zone. <laughs> I will say, so on the East Coast, I think coyotes are much bigger. Really? Than, yeah. So Brendan and I have figured this out because Brendan was like, oh, yeah, coyotes are scary. I'm like, no, like, they're, like, not really that big. Like, they're smaller than, like, a German shepherd. I will say, I've never seen a coyote. Okay. Well, I've seen them a lot. They Like, they are prevalent near my house. <laughs> but, like, one coyote, I would not be worried about it. Mm-hmm. 
a pack of coyotes, which is what I heard, yeah. I would be more worried. Yeah. And I, like, would hear them basically, like, killing stuff behind my house at night, and they would, like, do this, like, weird creepy chorus, and, like, they sound like crying babies. Mm-mm. I don't like it. But, I don't like that either. Yeah. Blech. Um. But, like, I think... I also wasn't necessarily afraid of being attacked by coyotes, but it was more, like, I'm alone in the night. Yeah. And this is scary. Yeah. Because now I have these sounds, too. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. So, anyway, kids do need boundaries. Yes. But I was on a very tight leash, so I was clearly, you know, chomping at the bit. Quite a bit. To rebel. I was rebelling all the time, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um. But, yeah, that is a nice moment when they find Tracy basically ODing outside of that yeah. club. And they take her, um, and the mom just, like, takes her to the hospital. I love, too, that it's, like, she's having that confrontation. Tracy's having a confrontation with a guy and mm-hmm. is, like, being choked. Right. And so Only the narr- women. Only yeah, the women narrator and, like, these two, like, badass goth girls go over to stop it. And then she, like, falls to the ground. All these people are like, she had a speedball. She took too much to her. And then as soon as, like, an authority. A true authority figure is there. They're all like, oh, she's got it. She's got it taken care of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, and I also like too that Tracy is like so mad. She's like spitting at them Mm -hmm. from the back seat. And the mom is just like, I'm taking you to the hospital and we're taking care of you. Like, relax. Yeah. This is how it's happening. This is what's going down. Um, And then you find out later that she'd had her coming to the youth center. I know, for counseling. I know. I know. So good. I know. But I, but I think, too, it's, like, she's willing to put in time for Tracy a little bit mm-hmm. in a way that's apart when, like, when Tracy's apart from the narrator. Because mm-hmm. that's when she can see her as, like, a part of, like, this people that she's, this, like, wider people that she's helping, mm-hmm. like, the poor and, like, whatever. Yeah. Whereas when she is somebody who's, like, potentially being friends with her daughter, she does not like it. Yeah. And that's, like, a little hypocritical. Yeah. So. It is. Um. I also think it's sad, too, like, Tracy basically only hangs out with the boys because all of the girls have been taught to shun her. And, like, mm-hmm. even the narrator at points, like, just, like, isn't a very good friend to her. And so I think this is, like, where we see if something happened with Tracy and the dad, it's, like, you can maybe see, like, why Tracy felt mm-hmm. betrayed. Because the narrator, like, you also hear about her basically, like, avoiding her and, like, getting on the bus when she sees her and, like, mm-hmm. which is not very nice. Yeah. Um... But Tracy's also not a good friend to her. But like I she just kind think... of goes to she goes to her like cool dance school and she's like, whatever, see you later. But I also think too that like Tracy wants the narrator to like f- be interested in that. And so she like creates this like illusions mm-hmm. around it. And I think like the narrator is so jealous that yeah. she like is basically not well, because she talks about later, basically, those videos that she finds yeah. of that one dancer. That, like, extra, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the only way that she can get Tracy to, to come, come over. over. And that's, like... And even when she sees her audition tape for um, the school, it's, like, all inspired by this person. And it was supposed to be, like, so original and whatever. But really, she sees that it was very much inspired by this. Not that that doesn't... that makes it bad dancing or anything because, right like that's but i think cool the narr- Tracy drew on that but but it's also like the narrator is like you got this from me basically yeah. like i gave you this yeah and i think 
because everyone's like, it's so original. And she's like, I taught her this, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um. Also, while we're talking about Tracy, um, her dad. Like, is she having sex with her dad? Or is her dad raping her? Yeah. I think so. I think so, too. Which, like, makes sense, too, because, like, even when I said last episode, I'm like, I think she's being molested, like, based yeah. on her behavior. Yeah. Which is sickening. Um, th- basically, the narrator comes over to her house. I forget why. Um, but she it's because they're over. volunteering at the dance studio. Oh, together. right, right, right. So she comes over to pick her up so that they can go over there together. And it takes a while for someone to come to the door. And then the dad is, like, sweaty when he answers the door and then just leaves. And sh- when she walks in, like, Tracy's, like, always kind of in different rooms. And finally she finds her in the bathroom. And it's, like, her top is, like, askew. And she's, like, potentially been crying. And, like, also the voice that she answered him was, like, a weird voice. hmm I don't know. She tells her dad to, like, get the door. And or it, to, like, let her in. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like, her top is, like... Askew. Yeah, and it, it's, like, not covering her bra all the way. Yeah. So, that's very troubling. It is very troubling. But it also, like, explains so much about Tracy's behavior. Like, yeah. Like, as a child and now, it's, like, everything she does is, like, a means of escape from the abuse that she's yeah. enduring. Um, and I think... I think the thing that's sad is that which, like, is also, I mean, I'm not blaming the narrator for this, but I think it's, like, she now, I think, in hindsight, can see all of the stuff that Tracy was going through. Mm-hmm. But she, like, never really could be somebody there to support her because she was so jealous of her. Yeah, and now she's so mad at her Yeah, that she still can't reach out. And I think it's clearly bothering her. Even in the last section, Amy was like, you've been weird ever since we were in London, and I think it has something to do with your friend Tracy, or the narrator basically confirms it has something to do with her friend Tracy. And she's like, you need to call her. You need to be in touch with her again because I think she is kind of starting to realize what Tracy's life was now that she's yeah. an adult. And she's, like, feeling bad that they're not in contact anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think in a lot of ways, like, she felt like Tracy was the only person who, like, really understood her. Like, mm-hmm. she never really felt like her mom or dad understood her. Mm-hmm. But, like, Tracy, I think, was the one person that she, like, wants to tell things to. And yeah. now they don't have that relationship anymore. Right. Which also, like, just um, as a side note, happy Valentine's Day yeah. for female friendship. This episode will air the day after Valentine's Day, but we are recording it on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Which is... Which is... Appropriate. Appropriate, Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, I hope you can eat something, like, you know, solid today <laughs> after this. I think I will be able get you, to. Get you some, like, saltines somewhere. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's also appropriate for this book because it... It is about female friendship. Yeah, and about how it's hard, but it's really important because I think this book shows us when we don't really nurture our female friendships the way that we should. Well, and I think both of them feel like a huge void because they don't have this friendship Mm -hmm. and I think they needed each other and they kind of let each other fall away yeah and I think you can understand both sides and like how it all happened but I also think it's something that you know I would encourage them both to reach out to each other yeah I hope it happens yeah 
but I don't think it does because I think on the back of the book it says they'll never see each other again. Which I feel like that would be tremendously unsatisfying. But I also think that that happens. It's like you have a friend that falls away from childhood and things like that. Um, Have you read the book Love by Toni Morrison? Mm Mm-mm. It's my favorite Toni Morrison, for sure. But it's, it's like, a kind of a similar book where it's about two young girls mm-hmm. who, who like, both came from, like, kind of, like, different types of lives. Like, one is, mm-hmm. um, like, basically, like, the daughter of, like, a rich man and then – or, like, the granddaughter of a rich man. And then her friend who, like, is really poor but, like, really beautiful ends up marrying her grandfather. And, the, yeah. And then the um, – the granddaughter is, like, furious and hates her. But, like, mm-hmm. ultimately it sort of is, like, that sort of thing where if you think about both of their lives, you can understand mm-hmm. exactly, like, why things happen the way they happened. And, like, they yeah. were the person who's, like, ultimately, like, lacking in their lives in the end. Anyway, yeah. it's a really beautiful book. You should read it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the Africa stuff? Yeah, let's Which talk about it. Africa? Yep. Um, what do you think about the juxtapositions of, like, poverty depicted in Africa and then versus poverty depicted in London. Well, I think, like, that's, like, kind of the interesting thing about the juxtaposing chapters where Mm -hmm. you go one place to another because I think you see, like, all of these different issues, which, like, are very different issues and, like, how they're dealt with differently and Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I think it's like, the Africa chapters are interesting, too, because I think the narrator is realizing that all of her perceptions of poverty are, like, they don't apply here. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's seeing things in a way that is not how they see things. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, like for example, like, she brings that, like, toy car, but, like, forgets that they don't have access to batteries. Yeah. And so it's, like, all this, like, there's all this charity that gets done that's, like, makes people feel good but is essentially useless and like yeah. not helpful to them. I really like that Zadie Smith kind of skewers like not that like the Peace Corps and um like mission trips yeah do bad work or are ill willed or wrong. Um but I think that there's something to be said about how like like especially like mission trips it's like people come in for like a couple of months and they feel really good about themselves but ultimately then they leave and like they haven't done anything really right to substantively change these people's lives and really a lot of people just get like a new profile picture with like all the little african children with them so it's like look at what a good person i am well, and I think it also is, like, there are a lot of questions about, like, what are the ethics of things like that, where mm-hmm. it's, like, who is actually getting more out of this, like, quote-unquote charitable work. Yeah. And I and I think, like, on the one hand, it's, like, good for people to have exposure and to learn. Mm-hmm. However, like, most of the time, I don't think that that results in any kind of lasting action, which is yeah. essentially, like, what is actually needed. Right. Um. And it's a lot of it is external. Right. Like, it's not in... I mean, like, Amy does involve, like, the ministers and the government a little bit. But right. even she's like, I don't really want to hear any more of these speeches. Well, and I think for Amy, <laughs> like, ultimately this is about her. Like, this has yeah. very little to do with African children getting better education. Like, yeah. this is about Amy feeling better. Yeah. And feeling like she 
made all this money and she's giving back. Right. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's also, like, very common. I think, like, that's how, like, a lot of charities approached. It's like we write a check and then we feel really good. But, mm-hmm. like, it's not – it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. I heard um, when I was a poli-sci major in college, I took a class. You were a poli-sci major? Yeah, I double majored. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> um, I was – I specialized in interla- international relations and I took a class about the U.N., and we had a woman come in and speak about NGOs, and she gave this really interesting talk that was basically like NGOs like are all really non-governmental organizations. So stuff like um, now I can't even think of it. like you know PEPFAR or mm-hmm. actually PEPFAR does a really a lot of good work. Um, basically, it's like people. Um, There's so many obvious ones, or like the World Wildlife Fund, like stuff right, like right. that. Um, and basically what she was saying is, like, they're all really well-meaning and they want to do really great work. But ultimately, they don't end up doing anything huge because it's like they don't really have a huge incentive to. Because mm-hmm. these people, um, you know, get really good jobs and they have really good lives and make really good money, you know, running and working for these NGOs. And so it's like – and if so if they, you know, solve poverty in Bosnia or, you know, if they – put every child in school in Africa, they don't have a job anymore. So ultimately, like, they don't have that much of an incentive to really fix the problems that their NGO. And I'm not saying that these people think that way. Right. But it just kind of becomes, you know, there's no real consequence to them not achieving their goals at the end of each year. Right. um, To them. But there's kind of an enormous consequence to the people they've made these false promises to. Right. Um. Well, and I think it's also, like, there's so many examples of things that just, like, would be great but, like, didn't work out. Like, for example, like, they have a toilet but it's, like, not hooked up to anything. Right. So it's, like, useless. Yeah. So, like, these people, like, will send all this stuff back being, like, oh, you know, like, this is going to make your life so much better. But it's actually there's no infrastructure to actually, like, utilize it. Excuse me. Yeah. Totally. Um, but I think it's also interesting, too, because, God, like, I, I've never been more popular than we recording this podcast. Um, I'm just... Um, calls. I'm like... My phone died again, so I can't... Um, what was I just talking about? Goals, infrastructure. Oh, I also think, like, nobody listens to the people there. No. Like, it's, like, Not essentially, like... The people know what they need a lot better than yes. these, like, random Americans coming in do. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if they would have a conversation, like, with Lamin, is that his name? Lamin. 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 Like, if they would, like, sit down and have a conversation with him or, mm-hmm. like, with the teachers, like, they would have a much clearer idea about what they need. Yeah. And I also think um, a really like good scene that was like a good illustration of like this whole like issue was um when the narrator like essentially humiliates the teacher in front of the class Hawa. yeah i love her yeah she's fab <laughs> but so like she um proves that like the students aren't really learning yeah and, and like they're essentially being given the answer on the board and like so they're not learning mm-hmm. um and like she humiliates the teacher in front of the students by like proving this and mm-hmm. then um 
Fern, who is like, I don't, what is his role? I think his job is. He's like overseeing it. I think he's like the like chief engineer architect person for the project. Basically, he was like, I'm here for when Amy gets bored. And the narrator is like, when she gets bored. Yeah. Like his job is to make sure that this actually like happens, happens and goes through and yeah. continues. And he's like, are you happy? Because like you just like did nothing good. Yeah. Like, I think she's like she's thinking of this in like the same way that like you know, her mother would talk about education in London, mm-hmm. and it's like, we are not there anymore. And it's all theoretical. Right. And she's like, oh, here are, like, um, you know, so now we see, like, what the problem is with doing this, and, like, we can, you know, we can adjust the teaching style and teach them in their own language and have the English be homework. And Fern is like, what are you talking about homework? Like, these kids don't have time to do homework. Like, they have to, like, work with their families like they don't have they can't do homework like what do you like right get your head out of your ass basically um and I think that that's really reflected as like these people have these like very great theories and ideas of like this utopia that they're gonna build and when they actually get there it's like no this is well and I think also like the model that they have is basically to turn it into like America or or London or whatever like they're turning it into like what they know and that's like not necessarily what they wanted or needed yeah and so like like she doesn't even understand that like you know the water she used to get the cockroach out of the bathroom yeah like was like people walked miles to bring that Mm -hmm. there and like nobody says anything to her because she just like yeah took it for granted yeah and what I also think is interesting um I feel like a lot of this book is interested in um the relationship that black people or have to Africa who don't live in Africa yeah. because there's like this idea of displacement like people um, like black people had to come to England black people were taken to America right um, which by the way this section is called middle passage which like is that offensive like is that in reference to slavery in the middle yeah. passage no I, th- I think it's I mean, I don't know that it's offensive, but I think I that just, is what it's alluding to. Yeah, which I was like, I don't know that you should compare this moment oh. of your life to a middle pass- the middle passage in slavery. Right. I feel like it's not the same. It's definitely not it's the same. It's being trapped on a boat. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not my place to critique that. But, um, but I, I like that this book shows, like, the narrator wants to have this really compelling relationship with Africa because yeah. she feels like it's like going back and rediscovering her roots and she mm-hmm. realizes that she is an outsider here as well. Like she doesn't understand even more of an yeah, outsider. Yeah, like yeah. she doesn't understand the culture and there's such a relationship to Africa. Um, you know, you know, her mom like wears like a necklace that has or like earrings. Earring, earrings. Um it's the narrator, I think, later that she wears a necklace with, okay. like, the um, with all the African countries on it. But it's this idea of, like, having that pull toward Africa because it's, like, your heritage and... Yeah. Um, well, it's, like, where her... Like, her mom... Like, like her mom grew up there, right? I'm not sure. I don't think so. She talks about, like, her mom, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. 
I thought she was from the same place. And it, so that was, like, the idea that she was, like, going to get Because I think she grew up here because she was told, she was, like, I was never asked to take a gifted test. Okay. I was just told to learn 40 words a minute like all the other black girls. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right. Um, but, but, like, I guess, like, her family is from there? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. Um, but, I mean, and it's the same, it's a similar idea. I mean, not totally similar, but it's a similar idea of people, you know, you know, Italians who wear the horn or, you know, yeah. like feel a pull toward their country or their like homeland or whatever. Um, and then when you actually get there, especially I think, you know, when you come from Britain to Africa, yeah, it's such a culture shock. And you realize like you're really not like a part of it because you didn't grow up there. Right. And I think there's also, I mean, I think the tie that they have, like the poverty that we see in the narrator's London and in um, Africa is that there's this idea that if you want to get out of that poverty, you have to leave. Right. Um, And then we see people like Hawa and the narrator's mother who don't leave because they want to make it better. Yeah. Which is, I think, an interesting choice. Yeah. Kind of noble. Yeah. Um, What do you think about the narrator's parents' breakup? I think it's done in a really awful way for the narrator. Yeah. Like, I think the mom thinks it's like, oh, like, isn't this, like, very enlightened of us? And I'm like, no, you're fucking up your kids. So that was when I was really mad at the mom Um, because I think she was really pleased with herself. And I was also really heartbroken for the dad because, like, I don't think it was his choice. Right, because essentially what she does is she, like, tells the dad, like, basically, like, I'm done being your wife, like, but we're going to continue to live together. Like, brother and sister. Yeah. Very confusing. So, well, I guess she's saying, like, we're still a family. Yeah. But we're not lovers. Well, and basically, it's because she knows that her husband is the one who does the mothering. Right. Um, I mean, they, they need the dad. She needs the dad to be there to perform his role. Yeah, but at the same time, I think, I think divorce is good for children when a marriage is toxic, mm-hmm. and I think their marriage was fairly toxic, and that they were fighting all the time. And it's also not normal for a twelve-year-old to be wetting the bed regularly, and right. she was, and it was probably because her parents were fighting all the time, and she was scared. Right. Um. So. I mean, maybe he should have moved out when they broke up instead of me. Ma- I don't know. Ma- well, maybe she should have moved him. Maybe the mom should have moved out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just. But then, and so, like, I think it's it's hard to because I feel very sorry for the dad in this whole section because he clear and, and honestly, after that, too, because he still is clearly, like, in love with the mom and, like, mm-hmm. would, like, still defend her, like, yeah. to the teeth. But, like, what the heck about, like, him picking up, like, basically a 12-year-old girl at the train station? Yeah. And, like, is that, like, supposed to be his live-in girlfriend? Like, no, what no, is no, the no. Deal? I think it was, like, I think it w- the idea was, like, he picked up, like, a foster kid. Are but you not, sure? I th- that, that is what I am choosing to believe. I don't think that it was, like, a, a gross thing. I don't know. I don't think so. I also think now I'm, like, there's, like, these seeds of doubt placed in my head about the dad because of the Tracy stuff. Yeah. Because, like, Tracy has basically placed this idea that the dad is, like, impure. Yeah. I don't think that it was, like, a sexual thing. 
I don't know, Audrey. I'm a little worried. I mean, after, like, it's like. I mean, I didn't love love it that it, it happened, but I, I just, I don't know. But I think I would have no problem with it if I really believed that he was, like, taking her in because, like, she really had no place to go and he's just such a mother figure that he, like, you know, needs yeah. to nurture children. I mean, children. that's how I read it. But why does she hide? Because she's, like, she's scared. She's... She, I don't know. I'm very suspicious. See, it makes sense to me that she would hide if she was, like, an abused child and didn't know this person and didn't know how she would take it and right, didn't know the language very he's well. He's also, like, like, living in a one-bedroom flat. Like, I don't know. I just think it's, like, I think it's weird. I mean, I don't think it's great, but I don't think that it's, I think like, there was something going on. I don't think it's as insidious as... As I think. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Let's, we'll see what happens later on in the book with the dad. Um, it'll probably never be mentioned again. It probably won't be. Just like a weird detail, like her her siblings. Well, they were, yeah. Have we heard about them again? They were at the Just dad's funeral. Just that they funeral. were at the funeral. Yeah. Um, also, is um, Tracy's dad Louis the same Louis that burned down? No. The narrator's mom's? No. Cool, like, community center? Because it was like Louis' boys. Like, why wouldn't you do a different is name? Is his name Louis? I thought... His name is Louis. The dad's name is Louis, too. I'm, like, 90% sure his, the dad's name it is Louis. It definitely starts with L. I'm going to look. Yeah. So, Louis, who burned down the thing, is um, Irish and oh. um, why part you of the a, IRA. Okay, why wouldn't you do a different name? I don't know. I thought he was a drug dealer, because that's where he did his business. That's why he was mad that no, the community no, no. center I think they was were, taken down. I think they were um, IRA members. Um. But that doesn't even make sense because she lets the IRA speak there and she protests, the narrator's mom protests for them, which that's not cool. The IRA were terrorists. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I'm trying to find. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, the Irish people didn't have genuine grievances against Great Britain, but you don't, you don't bomb people when you have grievances. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm. I'm just. I got. I just got to the. Let me read this passage oh and gosh. see what you guys think. Um, she was barefoot. She'd nowhere to go. Nowhere at all. You see, she's from Senegal. Her name is Mercy. You should have rung to say you were coming. Why should she have rung? Because she's from Senegal and she had no one, and she probably would have gotten scared, and then he would have been able to like explain. I am suspicious of this whole thing. I mean, I just, I, I don't think it's, like, a good practice to just pick up children. But I think he's, like, in a delicate state, and he needs to feel like he's taking care of someone. And so he saw probably saw her at the train station and was like, this girl has no shoes and nowhere to go. You can come and stay with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, it wasn't a good move, but... I'm looking still for the dad. I mean, in a novel where I'm, like, 90% sure that one of the fathers is raping one of the daughters, I really need to have that relationship not to be horrible, too. That's fair. Whew. Okay, wait. I'm at the chapter. Vamp a little bit while I try okay. to find his name. Um, interesting that Tracy always wants to be lighter than the narrator, and the narrator is said, like, little she does she know that she's tanning so she can look like her mom. 
I thought that was very interesting. Um, and it kind of connects um, to the idea that, like, the narrator wants to feel like she's one of the African people when she goes there and, like, feel really connected to her roots, but ultimately doesn't really. Yeah. Um, and, like, she wants to be, you know, like, authentically black almost, like her mom. Um Whereas Tracy, like, wants to be as light as she can be. And that might be because her mom is white. Right. And she's, like, gotten it into her head that it's better to be lighter. Well, and, I mean, certainly the parent that she has a better relationship with is her mom. Oh, yeah. I mean, her dad is, like, clearly abusing her, so. Yeah. Even though she's always, like, happy. She's also obsessed with her dad. Yeah, I know. It's very, very It's not good. It's not great, no. Well, and then the narrator, I mean, before we even know that they probably have a very inappropriate relationship, the narrator sees Louie, the dad, like, with um, some other woman who's, like, pregnant and has a bunch of other kids. Oh, right, yeah. So that, you know, it's probably not that he's out dancing with Michael Jackson. He's with his other family. Well, I think we find out he never danced with oh, Michael I, Jackson. Oh, I knew the minute that she said that he was dancing with Michael Jackson that he wasn't dancing with Michael Jackson. Well, and then she says he's, like, building her a house. Yeah, in Jamaica. Which I was like, no. <laughs> no, that's not true, Tracy. <laughs> but, um... God, I'm never going to find it. It's just, there are too many. Oh, what the dad's name is? Yeah, I never will figure it out. Like, I just keep seeing... Wait. Yeah, it is Louie. Yeah. Why wouldn't you choose a different name? That's very confusing. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say something. Oh, um... So what do you think about the end where the um, pianist ends up getting basically, like, shunned because, like, Tracy's mom accuses him of, like, abusing Tracy? Yeah. And all the girls. Yeah. And and the narrator's narrator's like, that literally never, ever happened. Um, And, I mean, I think... I, I think it's also, like very obvious that Tracy like has been abused and so it's like I think the chapter ends with something like it was like close to the truth but like not quite sort of yeah. thing. Um but so it's just like that just made me so sad because he I seemed like know. a gem of a guy. I know. Who just like you know Like t- he was good to Tracy and he was good to the narrator. Like he seemed to understand what both of them needed. Yeah. In like a positive way. <laughs> right. Where like he helped Tracy audition and mm-hmm. helped her like with her dancing, but he also like Knew that the narrator was, like, a good singer and... Right. It was sweet. Which, like, I also wonder if Tracy s- said to her mom... Like, like a lot of times in Law & Order, um, people will say, like, a different person abused them when, like... And they actually are, like, victims of abuse, but, like, they can't name the person, especially if it's a relative. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be like, no, like, this is happening to me so that they can communicate it in some way. Mm-hmm. But then... It's like they say it's the wrong person. Anyway, I, yeah. like I feel like that is potentially what happened where the mom is not like just going on a witch hunt. Like I think the mom probably genuinely believes it mm-hmm. and she just has no idea that her daughter is being sexually abused and has been probably for her whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, especially because it's like it's so obvious that it's Tracy. That took the money? Yes. Or like 
partially responsible for taking the money. But, like, I guess I had to check myself with that, too, where I'm like, but was it Tracy? Yes. But was it? Yes. But the listen, okay, the narrator rebelled by failing a test. I know. There's no way that she stole money. No, I don't think it was the narrator. Oh, okay. I mean, like, well, or, like, I don't think that Tracy... What if the necessi- pianist took it? Okay, so... We don't know. Mr. Booth is the pianist. I know. But, but like... he didn't take it, We I don't, don't know, think. though. Okay, we don't. I guess I, I think just... if, if the money is gone, if Tracy herself didn't take it, she facilitated it being taken. Because those two had the keys. They were the ones... But Mr. Booth also has a key. I'm just saying that... It's unfair that we leaped the conclusion that it was Tracy and that everyone leaps to the conclusion it was Tracy. It probably was. But, like, but that's also, <laughs> yeah, like, it is that's shitty. not. But it's also, like, if there are two suspects and it's, like, likely one of them. I mean, not saying that, like, you get to, like, throw her in jail. See, like, I was hoping that it was going to come out that the narrator had taken it. Like, in that chapter, I was like, and, and tr- yeah. but of course, Tracy's blamed. But I think I think it's just more telling that even if they're right, the fact that they don't even consider other suspects yeah. is, like, kind of shitty. And, like, oh, basically yeah, that's it, shitty. And, like, it's also basically what has happened to Tracy for her whole life, yeah. where she's, like, had these expectations put on her. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe now at this point she's living up, up to those expectations, but it's everyone else's fault for, like, putting oh, yeah. them on her 100%. in the first place. Yeah, I mean, like, my feelings about Tracy are always, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm critical of her, but then at the same time it's, like, I have a lot of empathy toward her because it's, like, everything about her, like, she's such a well-developed character and that everything about what she does and who she is makes 100% sense. Right. Like, there's nothing that Tracy does that you're, like, why? Like, yeah. why would you do that? Right. It's, like, you know why. Well, and, like, you've got to feel bad for Tracy. Like, yes. Tracy is living in a terrible, terrible situation. Yeah. And, like, has literally no support system. No. The only support system she really had is, like, her dance studio, including Mr. Booth. Yeah. The narrator's dad. Yeah. And, like, the narrator who is sometimes there. And then her mom who's, like, a little bit. Like, her mom who only uses, who's only a support system when she can brag about her. See, I don't know that that's true. Like, I don't necessarily think the mom, like, doesn't love Tracy. Like, I just think the mom is also very limited in her capacity to, like, be a good role model. Right. Um, well, because she's usually, like, out drinking and bad. And yeah, but, I mean, you you also have to give her credit, though, because she's, like, been a single mom to this girl and, like, has shown her as much love as she can. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I like I, I just I sympathize with mom because I genuinely think she has no idea what's going on at her house. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think she knows about the abuse. Um, so. I guess I just I just think it's interesting because you have two moms who, like, essentially are not giving their daughters what they need. Yeah. And definitely. And I think the difference, though, for the narrator is that she has a parent who is clearly supportive. Yeah. And Tracy, like, kind of has that in her mom, but, like... Mm -hmm. But, like, not in the right way. Like, her mom is, like, not... She's, like, she defends her... Like, (laughs) the narrator makes a comment of, like, no adult has ever spoken to me like that before because she's, like, you and your mom, you fucking bitches. Right. (laughs) Always looking down your nose at me and my daughter, and she's, like, whoa. Right. (laughs) It's not how grown-ups usually talk to me. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, it makes so much sense that Tracy would take the money. Like, it's, like, such, it's such a predictable plot line, I think. And, like, I think that, um... More like, more than, like, like, I think the most likely scenario is that her dad took the money. Like, or, maybe Tracy took the key, but, like, her dad took the money. Yeah, well, that was, I think... I mean, like, when they assume that Tracy was involved, I think, like, the secondary assumption is, like, probably Louis was, like, hey, give me the key or, like, take the money for me. Right. Which, like, I think that that, or, I mean, if she just took the money just to, like, because she hates her childhood for what's happened to her. And so, and, like, that dance studio is such, like a representation of her childhood and excelling and, like, her wanting to burn that all down because, like, she's been made to feel like she's not worth anything. Yeah. Would make complete sense. Like, she might not even know why she took the money. She just did it because she, 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 like, consistently proves what people think of her when she thinks that people think that she's nothing. Right. Which is sad to see. Yeah. But it's what... I think kids that are victims of abuse like that do. Or don't have enough boundaries do. Yeah. Um, what are your predictions for what's going to happen? I don't know. Um, again, like, I'm waiting for something big to happen with the narrator. Um, <laughs> she hasn't done much so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because she is such kind of... She's such a wallflower character. I mean, I feel like a lot of... I, I think I've complained about this before that yeah. narrators mm-hmm. tend to be quite like we they have to be Manhattan Beach. Yeah, they have to be kind of watchers because it's like they're our window into the into the novel. Yeah. Um but I'm I'm waiting for her Devil Wears Prada moment. Um I you see I think tension starting to build as she becomes more integrated into um, the African, the African community. Um, just in the sense that she's kind of starting to understand how that world works and also, like, what the school actually needs and, like, distance herself from, like, Amy's aims. Like, Well, she also just, like, hasn't been around Amy very much. No. Like, like she's she, never around. Yeah, like, the school, like, seems like it's really the narrator's project. Like, she's kind of Amy's surrogate there. Right. Um, and, yeah, but, I mean, obviously, like, she's leaving at some point because right. we know that from the prologue. Um. <laughs> I want to know how Tracy is, is, is doing. turning out. I, um, I want to know how she gets from where she is now into the chorus line. And I want to know what she's doing after that. I don't, I don't know. I, I want good things for Tracy. I do too. Um, yeah, I have, I have a feeling that with the like Africa plot line that basically it's going to like Amy is going to, like, basically, like, have finished this project and be like, all right, well, I'm done with that. Like, I did my thing. And I think that the narrator is likely going to struggle with that, where she's yeah, like, this, the this is isn't over. Now. This is yeah. not over yet yeah. kind of thing. I, I Like, that's maybe a prediction that I have. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of wonder what will happen with Tracy, too. I, I just hope she's okay, you know? I want to know more about the dad's death. I feel like they didn't oh. touch on that hardly at all. Yeah. Like, like, when in her life does she die? 
Or does I also, he die? I also would love to know more about the mom's partner, who seems like a delight. Yes, we have not talked about that yet. Yeah. Um, she, the mom, falls in love with a woman. Yeah. Who seems lovely. Who seems like a great balance to her. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's like, nobody really questioned it in town. It was like, whatever, the mom's helping our community and we don't give a fuck. Yeah. Which is really nice. And I think it's, again, like, it's another one of those instances where um, the narrator has to endure, like, the idea her mom is, like, objectively doing great things for the community and everybody's telling her all the time. And she's like, yeah, well, I wish she was, like, a good mom. Right. (laughs) Or cared about me. (laughs) I will say one part that I really liked um, in this section was when they were meeting with the teacher, um... And she's like, oh, you must, like, have a reader in your family. Is your dad a reader? And the mom, like, I guess basically because of the way she's dressed, it's, like, assumed she's, like, not very educated. Yeah. And the mom's like, no. Like, I'm the reader. I'm the academic of the family. Like, Yeah, he I does- loved that. Yeah. It's like, he's a male man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, not to say that male <laughs> no, men I mean- can't be intelligent. But I think she's, she's like, thank you for underestimating me. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think... Yeah. I also did love that moment where she was like, she really wanted um, the narrator to make a speech at the community center because she's like, I don't understand. All my speeches are very popular. And yet the women are the teens are still getting pregnant and the boys are still smoking weed. Like, why am I not getting through? It's like, well, maybe because you're like just pontificating for like hours about theory and teenagers are like, fuck you. We do what we want. Right. That's not how you get through to teenagers. Another part that I like with the mom is when um, she's threatened at her house. Oh, and I she's think. like, I'm not scared. Yeah, and she's like... I know your moms. <laughs> yeah. That's what she basically says, I like, I know your moms. That. Goodbye. <laughs> get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Before I have to call them. Yeah. Love it. Because Louie's boys, like, go out there to intimidate her. Yeah. And she's like, so that she I am not afraid of you. Center. But I think, I think the... The mom, like, can't even understand violence because she's like, this is dumb. Yeah, that's it says that. Yeah. And um, I forget what passage, but it's basically, like, she just fully and... Doesn't the, acknowledge it as an option. Yeah, the narrator is, like, she would have been bad, like, if a real revolution had to go down because, like, once all the planning and, like, idealism was over, she'd be like, wait, what do you mean? Like, we don't just peacefully take over? Yeah. Um... Which I think is, like, an interesting tidbit. Because I think, like, her mom is totally... Like, I mean, she does, like, objectively, like, beneficial things in the community. But then I think you see that, like, all of her idealism doesn't stop some of, like, the base problems in their community. Like, right. teen pregnancy and, like... Like, it, it's not fully, like, lifting these people out of poverty. It's just, like, it's giving them all lifelines. Which is hugely important and, like, right. such a great step. But um, but I also think you get the feeling that if her mom was in Africa, she would be doing nothing useful. Really? I just think, like, speeches aren't going to change anything there. Like, they mm-hmm. need, like, actual practical help. Mm-hmm. And I think the mom, like, can't get past the books. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, she's, like, very consumed with the theory. And I think she gets frustrated when that doesn't just fix everything. Right. And I like... Um, I like Zadie Smith's critique of that a lot because I think that's always been my problem with theory and like like it's leadership academies and like like when people get too caught up in idealism and I'm like, yeah, this is all really great that we're talking about it. And um, 
this seems really fun, but you're not taking into account, like, the real world. Right. And, you know, you're, like, either reading it off of, like, a nice clean page Mm -hmm. where it's, like, come from one scholar's mind and it's all very neat and organized and whatever. Um, But it's not the world. Like, the world is really messy and complicated and... And, like, those easy solutions aren't really going to work here because you can't just, like, put a scholar's mind into practice like that. Right. So it makes me feel vindicated that I always kind of roll my eyes at theory a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I do love the mom. I do love. Laws and all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add? Not really. We're going to be finishing up swing time for next week. Yeah. In the, in the meantime, I'm going to Vegas and seeing the Backstreet Boys. Shut up, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I leave on Thursday, and I'm, I'll be back um, Monday. Exciting news. Yeah. So. That's great. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks Have for a, listening. I hope you all had a very pleasant Valentine's Day, however you chose to celebrate it. And a, gallant, a, a great Galentine's Day as well. Yes. To celebrate your lady friends. Yeah, don't don't um, forget how important they are because yes. you could end up like Tracy and the narrator. Right. Enjoy Black Panther this weekend or Fifty Shades Braid. I, uh, listen, I'm seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't They're seen, so bad. I haven't seen any of them. They're so bad, but yet, like, it's just like, what? A, what is this and why? And they make so much money. And and also, I find, I view them, like, and listen, I know all the problems, and I have them, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, With the material. Right. Um, But I also view it. Did you read it? it? No. Okay. Me either. Um, My mom did. With no shame. At the public pools. Or at, like, like, we were at, like, Stafford Country Club pool, and she'd be out there with her Fifty Shades Freed, and I'd be like... You know, I mean, it's it's that book was always interesting to me because it was like the demure housewives who all lapped it up. I know, but that's why I also so I also view going to see this movie as kind of a feminist choice because I think that like a lot of women, yes, tear it down, but I think only women are allowed to make fun of Fifty Shades Mm -hmm. because I think men do it for a different reason. Like, I think men make fun of Fifty Shades of Grey and the series because I think they find it threatening. Yeah. Like, not just because it's like, ooh, it's about, like, a man, like, like really giving it good to somebody. I feel so uncomfortable. Um, I know, I... I hate it. It's um, Valentine's Day, so. It's so horrible. <laughs> but it's, like, it's something that is, like, <laughs> it's something women enjoy that has nothing to do with men. Like, I think men tend to, like, say, like, make fun of, like, feminine things when it has nothing to do with, like, pleasing them. Like, Starbucks. Like, you know, like, it's, like... F- things that women are interested in, they call basic, mm. because, and then women pick it up, too, because they're, like, afraid of being basic or whatever, that have nothing to do with, like, being appealing to men. Mm-hmm. Like, when men, like, mock women for going to see Fifty Shades, I'm like, okay, but, like, how many stupid fucking video games do you play? <laughs> like, am I not allowed to just, like, watch a movie for, like, dumb enjoyment so that I can laugh when, like, 
this guy's plane crashes and he's like, mayday, mayday. Like, hilarious. It's amazing. Uh, Did that happen in a previous one or is that coming up? Previous one. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen in this one. I mean, this one But I know they're guns. guns. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what? It's very dramatic. Well, because, listen, in the last one, she works in a publishing house. Okay. Her boss's name is Mr. Hyde. Mm -hmm. So, like, I wonder if he turns out to be bad. Uh Mr. Hyde. Right. Very literary name. Right. Um, He attacks her and she gets him fired. Good. And then at the end, he's, like, seen creeping on her. And he's the one who, like, breaks into her house and shit. So it's, like, basically he decides he's going to, like, have a revenge against her, I suppose. Um, I really want to see – I do not know the title of it, but I saw the preview, like, a couple of months ago. I'm wondering if you know what it is. It's about, like, the French lady who was assaulted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Isabel Huppel is in it. She, <laughs> um, she was nominated for an Oscar for it last year. Shit, what is that movie called? I don't know. I want to see that. It's, no, it's not called Isabel. That's her name. Damn I'll Google it. it. French woman attacked movie and yeah. see what comes Google up. Google Isabel Huppert okay. and you'll find it. All right. I will. Um, But yeah, I think that going to see that movie because you want to see it and not because, like, I don't know, you feel like you need to be validated or whatever. No, I, I you know, enjoy. Choice. No, totally. I don't want to see it. But again, as you know, I don't really like movies. That's true. So, I, like, I, I don't know. It's a lot of commitment for me to. Yeah. I like, I actually, I like going to the movies, but yeah. I wouldn't go to this movie. Yeah. Lauren and I like to go see it together and just laugh. Yeah. It's enjoyable. I would see Black Panther, though. I cannot I, wait. I would be interested in that. So. <clears throat> well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye.